0: Listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for Halloween. It's October 31st, 2012. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tom Chick. My game of the week is not Silent Hill.
1: Hello, I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Platoon for the NES.
2: Hi, this is Nick Diamond, uh, better known as Telefrog on the forums, and my game of the week is not Frontier Elite.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Poor Frontier. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, you uh, are in, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Seattle. You're like one of those guys who has a tech job in the, the, uh, actually you're Tacoma up in Washington State, right?
2: Yep, that is correct,
0: yes. Uh,
2: And I have the super exciting job of selling computers to people.
0: Now, I don't know if you know this, Nick. The capital of Washington State is Tacoma uh was i that close news no no is it olympia olympia lacy <laughs> it is olympia is it olympia it! i just knew it wasn't seattle that's probably the common trap so uh there we go that's it for uh geography thanks for poning me nick <laughs> uh by the way so nick i look at your name And, uh, like, I've long since learned I can't make fun of anyone else's name because of my own name, and they've all heard it. But I I look at your name, and it looks like the name of an adult film star who can't quite fit onto the marquee.
2: Uh, What's great is there are, actually, uh, if you Google the name, Mm -hmm. you will come up with a, uh, there's actually a skater uh, who has a line of clothing, Nick Diamond. Ah. There's a line of detective books written by some pulp author in the 60s with the main character being Nick Diamond. I like that. Um, And then, uh, to my uh, eternal pride, there is apparently a porn movie with a Nick Diamond.
0: I am not the least bit surprised. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, it, it is Halloween. Uh, by the way, did I scare anyone listening, or either of you two, with that Pretender song? Does that put you in mind of anything in particular when you hear that? No, not at all. Nick, did it
2: scare you at all? Uh, I, I, I don't say scare, but it, it certainly did give me the
0: uh, creeping willies. Right, it, a, a sort of deep-seated sense of loathing, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for folks who may not know that, uh, by the way, McMaster, it's a big time of year for you. Normally, you know, I make fun of where you're from. Nobody cares about Ohio. This is every four <laughs> years. Ohio is hugely important. So
1: True.
0: McMaster it must be very thrilling up there right about now. It's pretty god awful.
2: Oh, it's terrific. You're, you're one of the only voters that count then.
0: Uh, yeah, it's such, it's such a good time.
1: <laughs> like, it, it, you, you don't understand that Like, we don't stop getting political ads ever. Well, you will on November 7th. Oh no, no. I'm sure there will be some sort of Senate and Congress races starting.
0: Oh, right. I see. You guys have that thing every two years, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh... Uh,
0: But whatever you're doing up there, McMaster, you're doing a heck of a job. Keep up the good work. Uh, I don't want to wear my politics on my sleeve, uh, but I couldn't be happier with how things are going in Ohio, so just kudos to you, McMaster. I do what I can. Yeah, good job. Uh... (laughs) Also, uh, if you're out east, by the way, we want to say that uh, we hope you are safe, dry, warm, uh, and fully wired. Uh, I, I know there's, there's still a lot of damage from, from Sandy. So if you're listening to us right now and you're out east, we are thrilled that you have uh, power and Internet enough to hear us. So congratulations on making it through that. Um, yes. Now, this is Halloween, of course. Uh, By the time you hear this, it probably won't be Halloween anymore. Uh, But for those of you who get in under the wire, uh, let's have some brief Halloween talk. Now, Nick, I understand that you have in your household a Halloween bah Humbugger, someone who wants no part of it. Uh, What's going on with that? Okay, so my daughter is right
2: at the age where really any holiday is no longer cool, so... Uh, You know, she appreciates, obviously, the gifts, uh, the free food, the candy, uh, and, uh, you know, for Halloween, the horror movies. But uh, she is a teenager, so she has decided that actually dressing up and taking part in any Halloween-type activities other than eating candy, lame,
0: super lame. How about you give her a dozen eggs and tell her to go outside and, like, huck them at at cars and houses? Do you think that might... Maybe instill in her the spirit of Halloween. Uh, no,
2: unfortunately, she is a uh, she is a teenage girl. So uh, even hucking
0: eggs is lame. Maybe Keeping that's like a house would be lame. Okay, that might be like a teenage boy thing. Because if you told me to do that, I mean, that's what Halloween was all about for me. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, well, it is Halloween, and we I see that we have all shown up uh, in our costumes here. Uh, McMaster, mm-hmm. what is that? What have you come as tonight?
1: Um.
0: The Rear Master? I mean, dude. dude. I like that. That's <laughs> like complete. You've got the, the you've got the tri-corner hat and everything, so you, you're you <laughs> a Rear Master tonight. Yes.
1: That's a great
0: costume. And you've spared no expense. Are those buttons real brass? I think they are. Oh, yeah. Brass in pocket. <laughs> ah, very good, McMaster. Uh, Nick, what have you come as tonight? What, what is that costume? Why don't you explain that for the listeners? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, a lot of people would think this is uh, just a uh, mixer or a part of the blender, but it's actually the Claw from Toy Story.
0: Ah, very nice. That's mm-hmm. impressive. A little scary looking. I don't know. That might be too intense for some younger listeners. Uh, <laughs> well, I have dressed up. I, I One of the things I love about uh, Halloween is uh, it gives me an opportunity to wear, like, really sexy clothes I might not wear during the rest of the year. Oh, uh, no. Like last oh, year, I was, good. I was a sexy ghost last year. The year before that, I was like a, a sexy creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, this year, I'm going as a, a slutty uh, game reviewer. So you can see I've got the little tight, low-cut, like Modern Warfare 3 shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. I have here, let me show you, I have here a, a Halo 4 swag bag. It's full of, like, Doritos and Mountain Dew. Uh, and to go along with my costume, I'm giving everything an 8.5. So uh, mm-hmm. McMaster asked me real quick, uh, just to practice for Halloween tonight. Ask me about a game and what rating I would give it. Deus Ex. Oh, eight point five, totally. <laughs> Sorry. See how in character I was. See, and that wasn't easy for me to do, McMaster. I've had to practice a long time to be able. 9/11. to Nine make... eleven. <laughs> that's an eight point... Oh, <laughs> that's dirty pool. First of all, McMaster, you just broke my costume. Thanks, McMaster. You need to get it patched. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh well for halloween i do want to briefly talk about scariest games you've ever played and that, that might mean different things to different people um there are plenty of horror themed games there are games that are scary for other reasons uh but i would like to hear from you guys what would you consider pick one game that you would consider the scariest game you've ever played uh mcmaster why don't you start us off uh in your Rearmaster master costume what game strikes fear into the heart of, of jason t mcmaster
1: it's so tough, because I have four that I thought were okay. creepy or scary, but if I had to choose one, I guess from sheer shock factor, or the ones that affected me the most, I would say Condemned on Xbox 360.
0: Yeah, that's that uh, monolith game where you run around uh, punching homeless people. Like you, Basically, it's a Gene Hackman simulator
1: it really is yeah and uh i love Gene agmen so like it was a big deal for me like i love him as a little bill and unforgiven and then he was Ushers and uh no but uh uh big fan of that Game, uh, it manages to be really creepy and do a few things. And it was one of the, it was like a, a launch title for the 360, and it was one of the few launch titles that actually um, like impressed me. I mean, I, you know, I liked a couple of the other ones, but Condemned actually stuck with me. I mean, I've got other ones. So after we go, I'll, I'll mention a couple more.
0: So, okay, uh, so that that would be your, uh, you would single that out never, as a scary game, right? They, they did a really good job with like the scary locations and that sort of claustrophobia, the first person view, and that that visceral. You, you know you've only got your fists and pipes and, and planks to protect you kind of element. It, was, yeah.
1: it was one of the first games that i played was surround sound too and i remember i got it uh that night the, the 360 launched and it was like three o'clock in the morning and i'm sitting there and I'm like in, in my house my wife's asleep got the surround sound on and uh, i keep hearing like you know crazy people wandering around behind me and clanking and all sorts of stuff it was pretty freaky
0: uh yeah, and it had a if I recall, didn't it have a real creepy like serial killer yeah. playing with dead birds kind of thing going on?
1: Yeah, it was like a supernatural serial killer like kinda of horror mystery.
0: Right, right. Uh all right, good. Uh Nick, what do you have that's even scarier than condemned for you? Well, for me, um this uh
2: actually hit me right at the right time. Uh I don't know if too many people would call it scary, but it was a series of mods that were actually released on the PC gamer disc. Ah uh, and it was They wow. Hunger by Neil Mankey, I believe. Very good. Um You know, if you play it now, it's pretty primitive looking. It's really not that scary. Obviously, if you put it up against something like Amnesia uh, or Condemned, um, Mm -hmm. it looks kind of childish, actually. But uh, boy, at the time, They Hunger just scared the wits out of me, just
0: absolutely gave me nightmares. And it, it kind of it really did predate like before zombies were such a commonplace thing. It, it was before we had this glut of zombie games to choose from. It mm-hmm. was this great Half Life mod that had this amazing Romero kind of feel to its expression of zombies. It wasn't like goofy Resident Evil horror. Uh, yeah, good pick. Uh, what, and there were, if I'm not mistaken, he did several of those, didn't he, Neil or Nick? Like there were uh, Neil Mankey did. Uh, Like, he did the first one for PC Gamer, and didn't he then do some follow-ups? As far as I know, I
2: think he did... uh, There was, like, a set of episodes, three episodes or whatever, that came out on PC Gamer. And then uh, I think he had two more that... I'm not sure if they released through PC Gamer or on the website. Uh, And then he was... uh, There was talk, actually, of a source version... Ah. Um but unfortunately, from what I can gather, uh, Neil became very ill. Uh and so had personal issues and couldn't finish.
0: Oh, oh that sucks. That's too yeah. bad. Um Well that uh and I do wonder, like I, I would love to go back and revisit those even just for nostalgia value. It's a shame that those aren't in the source engine. Uh all right, so, and I also remember by the way, it takes a lot for a game to hold up under this kind of product placement, but I, I seem to recall there were places in the game you could find a copy of pc gamer yes. like, sitting on a desk or something <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely absolutely i I, I went through it uh, I guess about a month ago. Uh, I was just feeling nostalgic, and yeah, there are copies of pc gamer, like the covers are scanned in right <laughs> uh, as a texture, and then there 's um there's really weird little sound bits in it that I I guess Neil had to use, uh, you know, obviously he had to use some Half-Life sounds and repurpose them. But then there were sounds that I guess he pulled from, you know, a free source library. And so you've got, like, the Wilhelm screen in there a couple oh, times. Oh, <laughs> of course. My <laughs> personal favorite. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that it, it has not aged very well. Right. Uh, I'll say that.
0: <laughs> I want to say... Any, anyone uh, making a movie or a mod or a radio play or whatever, please stop using the Wilhelm scream, because I hear oh, it every no, time. No, no I, please stop. I think I heard it in, in the last episode of Walking Dead, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going
2: to use it constantly from now on. Oh, I, I hear it
0: all the time in
2: uh, in trailers, I, <laughs> Yeah, which astounds me. I hear it in a movie trailer, and I think, Really? You couldn't use any other part of the movie that <laughs> you had to get the Wilhelm in there? I I
1: want him to use uh the fa- the cartoon failure sound more. So if we can do
0: that instead of the Wilhelm scream, that's fine. <laughs> well, wah, wah, wah. I want to hear that a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and I I guess the the lesson here is uh sound libraries a lot of them are played it out are played out get new sound effects uh
1: spend, spend the 500 bucks and get this really big Sony uh, sound library that's pretty good if you're going to do something like that otherwise oh, okay. stop using the wolves
0: Well, my my pick for Scariest Game does not have a Wilhelm Scream in it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, So uh, to briefly sort of introduce this scary game, it's the third in a series. The series is really good all along. But what makes the third special, and I'll explain, I'll I'll say what it is in a second, uh, is uh, the format of the storytelling. Uh, And and one of the most effective ways to tell a suspenseful or a scary story, or or heck, pretty much any story, is this dramatic concept of tension and release, tension and release, tension and release, sort of putting the viewer or the listener or the player through this kind of ringer. Uh, Now things are scary, now release and breathe. Now they're scary, release and breathe. Uh, One of my favorite examples of that in horror movies is Paranormal Activity. And even if you didn't like the movie, that's fine, but their whole format is you have a day segment and then there's this night segment where the scary stuff happens and Most, then a day yeah. segment where you're safe and, and everything's okay and they talk about what happened and then a night segment and mm-hmm. watching paranormal activity the good one by the way they they end up so screwing this up in the later movies but watching the original paranormal activity in a crowded theater is this incredible communal experience of feeling that tension release tension release tension release with the dozens of people sitting around you uh there's something in the air when that's done well so not many games do that because most games feel that they need to keep the pacing at a consistent level. Or you'll just walk down a hallway in Resident Evil, something jumps out at you. You walk a little further oh, down the hallway. So, so most video games are, are more of a kind of a haunted house. You walk through it, and there are periodic scares or action sequences or whatever. Video games haven't quite got that tension-release, tension-release thing down. Except for this one game I want to mention called Fatal Frame 3. I knew it. No, no. The the Fatal Frame games played with this great concept of the player being uh, vulnerable by not giving you a gun. That's normally how you interact with a video game. Instead, you have a camera. Uh, And what you have to do is capture the ghost's uh, image on film a certain way and one of the cool things this does is it forces you to look straight at the scary thing you know normally you want to run away from the scary thing or not look at it but Fatal Frame is all about you know let that scary thing get up in your face you know that's what you have to do to deal with it uh, oh, so yeah. that. That's a cool concept, but what Fatal Frame 3 does, unlike the other games, is it does it, it, it plays with this tension-release, tension-release. During the daytime, you're in a house, you're doing research, you read books in your library, you're trying to find out stuff about the mystery, and then at night you have a dream about this haunted mansion, and you go in it and you play the Fatal Frame 3 game uh, with the camera stuff. But what Fatal Frame 3 does so beautifully is captures one of my favorite tenets of good game design, and that is... You introduce a rule, and then you break it. So at a basic level, like if you're playing a Mario Brothers game, you can only jump so high. But good game design means you eat a mushroom, and now you can jump higher, and you reach new things. You introduce a rule, and you break it. So Fatal Frame 3 introduces this rule. You're safe during the day. You're vulnerable at night. And it breaks it. And I love how it plays with that. I love how the ghost stuff spills over where it's not supposed to be, and how scary that is. Uh, so for me, that's my favorite example of, of a scary game. That, that's what I would highlight. Um, McMaster, and, uh, what, what were
1: your runners-up? You mentioned you had okay, yeah. Well, I had five total, and Condemned was my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, starting at the least, uh, and this one I just have to mention, because I'm fond of it, and for strange reasons I guess, but Deadly Premonition, uh, the Twin Peaks kind of yeah. ripoff game, uh, it had really creepy monsters in it, uh, they were these demons and ghosts that would kind of flip over backwards and kind of scuttle at you backwards, mm-hmm. uh, and upside down, so it was a little disturbing, uh, and it was like one of the strangest games I've ever played, so it, it gets a nod for that, uh, Alone in the Dark, the original, uh, was pretty scary when I was young enough to play Alone in the Dark on the PC, the original. I'm not talking about the one where that had awesome fire effects. It came out a few years ago. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about, All right?
2: How oh about yeah. Oh, the, <laughs> the, the the old uh, the old Alone in the Dark with the, the uh, polygon one. Yeah, yeah,
0: that was good times. How about the uh, the Uve Ball movie with Christian Slater? How do you feel about that, McMaster? Ooh, man, that's good times.
1: Uh, I have actually only seen one Uwe Boll movie. Uh, I watched House of the Dead, and that was really bad, of course. But anyway, um, <coughs> all right. My next up is Fatal Frame 2. Uh, I knew Tom was going to do me one better, though. When he said it's the third, I was like, oh, God, he's got to go with his Fatal Frame 3. But no, Fatal Frame 2, also excellent game. And finally, I'm shocked nobody mentioned Silent
0: Hill 2. Uh, All right. Uh, did, did Nick, is that a, a dissenting voice for Silent Hill 2? Uh,
2: I, I don't know if it's dissenting. I just – I me, I didn't find it very scary.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I thought the Silent Hills get increasingly more confused. The first one was great. The first one did some cool things. Uh and not like I, two? You don't – how do no. you not – Two with James is a, is a doofus. That's how <laughs> Uh, McMaster, I could totally get into like a, a, a long highfalutin discussion about this, but I basically feel that Silent Hill 1 played with things far more primal and intuitive and effective. Like Silent Hill 1, the, the overarching concept of it, what was so universal. And that is you've lost your little girl. You know, you're separate, a parent separated from a child that drove that game. It, even when there was like goofy puzzles, or you're whacking on zombies oh. that, that that's completely primal, and even uh, what was that? Even heavy rain understands that. Uh, Silent Hill Two just had this weird stuff about the guy and his wife's letters, and it, it was like, well, he's yeah, he's trying to find his wife, right? And it it just I, I think Silent Hill One was just way more effective, and the, the Silent Hills get increasingly kind of tortured and involved, and uh i i just feel like one is the best one I, you know what i'm a
1: purist so i i'm i understand i just think that the actual story for two was better uh once it gets past two it starts getting a little wacky i mean three
0: was all right and is then... it, isn't two the one that had a ufo ending mcmaster
1: <laughs> the possibility of it yeah <laughs> that was like so hard to get actually okay. yeah, i think one might have had one like that.
0: Too. No, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that. a
1: lot of weird endings <laughs> in all of those games. But, yeah, you, you had to, like, God, you had to find some dead dog in a doghouse at some part,
0: certain point in the game. And I, eh, yeah. Well, I so remember, too, some of the scares from the original Silent Hill, much like the dog jumping through the, the window and the original Alone in the Dark, which was or co-opted and that was co-opted by every single resident evil game but i remember in the original silent hill like something with a phone ringing when you don't expect it uh i remember where you're you're looking through lockers and then there's something that bangs from inside of a locker like i just remember distinct moments in that uh,
1: i have the same thing from two as well though i mean pyramid head is a very iconic character throughout the game series so i don't know i mean he shows up there and just a lot of the creepier stuff with james and all the mannequins and the nurses and stuff or the
0: nurse mannequins
1: (laughs) they're so creepy
0: (laughs) i don't by the way i don't understand pyramid head why is that scary a giant dude
1: with a crazy like mask on with a huge sword that just like rips people to pieces and shit's pretty scary
2: that's where it fell down for me. I, I, I just found Pyramid Head so ridiculous yeah. that I just couldn't I mean. be scared of him. He's just shambling around, lurching everywhere. And I was like, well, ah, Pyramid Head, whatever.
1: Him. The whole point of him is that you can't kill him. You know? That, see got, that? Oh, like, McMaster. Oh,
0: I hate that. I hate, like, the, like, oh, the indestructible <laughs> thing that is going to... I mean, that's such a video game trope for me. That's like something that Dead Space does. I, I just cannot stand that. Uh, oh, that means ah you (laughs) uh let me so so let me throw out a a runner up and this isn't a particular game but a game design thing i love how scary it is when you can't save anywhere in a game a lot of times it's done poorly but when that's done well i love games that don't have save save anywhere and so many people complain about that but I, i love how well that can be done and i think of the first uh aliens versus was it aliens versus predator the very first one that you couldn't save anywhere, Like, uh, and if you died, you were dead, uh, and you had to go way back. Normally, that's punishing, and I hate it, but when it's done well, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that.
1: That's something that I always thought the original Resident Evil, the Resident Evil series did well, too, um, with the, uh, the I mean, I hated having to keep up with the ribbons and everything. I thought that was maybe a bit too much for pressure, but like the idea that you could only save at like a typewriter or something was kind of a cool idea.
2: Uh, Nick, any runners-up for you? Well, it's interesting that we got on the subject of uh, aliens because my uh, my runner-up was going to be uh, the Alien Doom mod from wow. way back in the day. Fantastic. And th- yeah, and the thing that got me about it, the thing that really scared me, and it was the first time a game ever scared me like this, was that uh, whoever did that mod, and hats off to that guy, the, the first level of it, Nothing happens. You're just <laughs> walking around, you know, in the dark, uh, of the, uh, the, you know, the abandoned colony and you just hear noises of aliens out there somewhere. That-
1: that was something that Doom actually did really well too. Uh, that was always created kind of a creepy tension for me too, as you would hear those like dog, the pink uh, thing uh, dudes uh,
2: growling whatever. way off.
1: Yeah, you would hear them scuttling around and everything, so you would you'd know something's out there.
0: Uh, Nick, I love how old school you are.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, well uh, until you get to my uh, my third pick would have been uh, Diablo two Hardcore Mode.
0: No that exactly I mean that's yeah boy that Diablo I've been playing Diablo three hardcore lately, and that's that's terrifying absolutely right huh. Nick yeah, yeah I'm with you hundred percent
2: yep yeah, it completely it used to completely scare me I I, I, uh, I I didn't have enough time to play like with a dedicated group or you know a bunch of guys, so it would always be just me by myself grinding my way slowly up through the levels, and I just knew well it, you know at any moment I could be one shot by some cheap mob and then you know all my hours of work would be over
0: <laughs> nick i think you've won that that is video gaming terror at its <laughs> at its most extreme absolutely yeah and
1: uh, also we would have to mention or at least i have to mention uh, it's not horrifying but for an awesome halloween themed game batman uh, arkham asylum
0: mm. I guess yeah, I guess he does wear a costume. So fair enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well and Asylum is ba- you know, he's got all the scarecrow farts and stuff where uh not City, but uh where you're uh, you know, running through his uh tormented world and he's like looking for you and everything.
0: The giant You know what I miss, and I get a little bit of this with Painkiller, but I miss the original Blood. I really liked how that played. It wasn't scary, but I just love how that played with horror themes. Uh, That was just so playful and fun and gory, and those guys were just so Halloween-y with with that game. Uh, That's Monolith, McMaster. Those are your... yeah. uh, Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Jace Hall. Pumping iron and pumping out games.
0: Yeah. Uh, All right, so there's our uh, scary games. Uh, Now, it's not Halloween anymore. If you're listening to this after the day we record, so let's just do some non-Halloween-y stuff. McMaster, you don't have to take off your costume. I'm digging that tricorn hat on you. That that becomes you. Uh, Let's do some news of the week and games of the week. Uh, McMaster, why don't you start us off and let us know what is your news story of the week on this. I'm
1: going to scoop everybody Disney buys LucasArts. (laughs) Surprise, $4 billion deal, baby. Yes, yes. Jason went first.
0: All right, Professor, how is that video game related? Uh, They bought
1: everything George Lucas, Lucasfilm Limited owned.
0: So 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 Lucas Arts Lucas Arts Arts, now a division of of Disney Interactive or whatever they've got some relationship right right. okay
1: and I mean you know in non game related news they announced uh, what uh, number seven which uh, who gives a shit woo that'll it can't be any worse than the first (laughs) one like honestly so if seven has Jar Jar as like the dark. Jedi, fine. Whatever. I don't give a shit anymore. We're fine. Woo! So uh, I
0: think Tom and I are both in agreement in the Star Wars uh, area. So after looking at this as a video gaming thing, uh, how do you uh, feel Disney so far, like if we look at how Disney has handled their video game properties, uh, what do you think we can expect in terms of what we're going to see in terms of Star Wars games or Indiana Jones games? Uh, can you point to anything that that makes you think this is encouraging news on the gaming front
1: uh there's quite a few things at least to me that are encouraging and first that is you really couldn't get too much worse than what they were doing already i mean nothing personal to all the people that have been working on the games there but it it just hasn't worked uh at least for me Um, uh, you're saying right right now i mean hey i like legos but you know whatever that that's not you so um It can't go anywhere but up or sideways, but up preferably. And second, you know, it's not like they don't have talented guys working at Disney. They have Warren Spector. They have Bill Roper. uh, Raph Coster is somehow tangentially involved with Disney. So, I mean, there's a lot of people there that that know what they're doing with games, and I'd like to see them uh, get their shot at uh, at a franchise that has been pretty much off-limits unless you had a really terrible idea. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that was like part of the pitch meeting was like how shitty is this idea? Okay, let's let's go with it. You
0: know, uh, Nick, can you think of anything like like that Disney has done that's come out under the Disney rubric that that makes you think, hey, this is good news for upcoming uh, Lucas properties?
2: Yeah, see, I have to uh, I I have to be the negative Nelly, I guess, to uh, McMaster's positivity because I don't. I can't recollect any Disney property game that made me think, you know, this is awesome, and i got to play more of this.
0: You know what, Nick? Can I try to jog your memory with a few? Go. Uh, Tron Evolution. Yes. There was <laughs> Here, let, me, also, let me throw uh... another one at you. Hold on, hold on. I'm not done yet. I'm just getting warmed up. How about that Epic Mickey? What do you awesome think of that, Nick? Game. See? I really like that game. How about yeah, all those I... uh, those Cars games? Oh, jeez. <laughs> i
2: uh I loved uh, wow <laughs> I, I, I loved sense. the art style and uh, I loved what they were going with uh, or going for with epic Mickey, but i I was one of the people I hated the camera i just couldn 't do it
1: well, yeah, the camera was kind of balls, but you know I mean
0: <laughs> unless i 'm missing some division of disney I, I just don't think that this bodes well necessarily any i mean you 're right husband that Lucas Art the... Fumbling it consistently, but I, I look at what stuff comes out under under Disney's properties, and and again, maybe I'm missing uh, like is Warner Brothers Interactive? What's their relation to Disney? Is there one? Uh, I I don't yeah. know if the WB is owned by the. the okay, yeah, so I don't, I don't think there is. I just think of this no. Disney has done, and I uh, just oh. Stuff. Yeah.
1: I just like I don't know. Roper and Inspector have done good stuff in the past, and you know I doubt you're gonna have Mickey go on like a violent murder spree in any way. <laughs> um, you could probably get away with that so some Lucas Arts properties. They're a touch edgier. I don't think Warren Inspector was like, let's take Mickey and.
0: Make him a badass. Well, you know, you know you say that, McMaster, but if you remember the first round of like concept art and the way they were trying to sell Epic pretty Mickey pretty to the to the hardcore gaming crowd, they they had this sort of darker it wasn't cyberpunk, but there was like this sort of weird dark element to the the early stuff that we yeah. heard about Epic Mickey, and that kind of went by the wayside and it became a a more cheerful platforming kind of deal
1: yeah um, i mean yeah i'm sure somebody at disney was like whoa okay hold on a second let's have a talk here, guys <laughs>
0: but, but you can imagine maybe if they give someone like specter uh hey what are you going to do with star wars like they might let them play with that darker so i, I don't know you, you could have a point but i i share nick's reservations about what well sure I, I don't i just think that
1: you know we're not going to see Tie Fighter, okay? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> we're not going to get any of the old good Lucas games. So, uh, you know, if they could make something half-assed, okay, out of like what's been there and what everybody liked from the past, I would much rather do that than another stupid-assed Mickey game.
2: Well, there were there were a couple stories that actually came out right after the conference call about um, not Tie Fighter, but uh, sort of a new. Updated reboot to uh, X-wing versus Tie Fighter.
1: Yeah, I'll believe it when I see
2: it. No, oh, actually, I'm I'm just making that up. That's just for Brian Rubin out there.
1: No, yeah, he's probably like shit himself. I don't think.
0: You also broke my heart, Nick. That was
2: cruel. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, foresee, I foresee a lot of uh, whatever whatever they're going to call the connect next. I, I foresee a lot of that.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, that because uh, they can't do much worse than that Star Wars dance party thing.
1: Well, they got the, the Wii U's coming soon. Uh, I saw one display in the store recently. It looked like two Wii's taped together with a new cover. Pretty nice.
0: Cool. <laughs> Cannot wait. Get my really crappy iPad. All right, so yeah. McMaster, that was uh, big news. I mean, in a way, I, it's, you know, we'll see where it goes uh, for the most part. I, I just part. don't
1: think it's going to get worse. It's, <laughs> it, it can't, like, you know, I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't right. see it getting worse.
0: Uh, so my news of the week is, first of all, that I'm canceling my news of the week from last week, where I, I mentioned something about this fellow, Rab Florence, writing about uh, video game shilling. I'm canceling it because I don't want Lauren Wainwright to sue me. So she I'm is. withdrawing <laughs> last week's News of the Week. Uh, my News of the Week last week, just pretend that it was something else. Uh, yeah, I'm not, the Lauren Wainwright, come with right. me. McMaster, uh, legal threats will be <sighs> in very soon. Good. Uh, my News of the Week is that, uh, and I'm going to be a little facetious here. You know what? No, this is real. My News of the Week is that the tenets of free will, this idea that you can do whatever you want, they have been disproven. And here's how I'm going to establish that. There's this concept. So, so a, a standard. Uh, bear with me. Uh, put your berets on for this. There's this standard oh. idea of uh, of determinism versus free will. That yes. mankind can do whatever he or she wants. Versus, you know, we are what we do is determined by our upbringing, by our by our cultural values, by our mores, uh, that sort of thing. Our, if our... you
1: were to explain it using Donnie Darko. Yes. Okay, sorry, go
0: ahead. A jet, a jet engine will come through a wormhole okay. and kill you. Yes, and you can't write. Okay. That's what that means. But so, okay. so that, that's a standard age-old debate in, in uh, philosophical circles. And uh, a mocking concept that was, was put out uh, way back when to disprove determinism goes like this. Let's say that you had a donkey, and it's really hungry. This donkey is just really dying to get something to eat. And you put the donkey at an equal distance between two bales of hay. According to the tenets of free will, the donkey would just go left or right and eat one of the bales of hay. But according to the tenets of determinism, if the donkey, all things being equal, is equidistant between the bales of hay, the donkey will starve to death. So I, right now, am going to prove to you that, yes, the donkey will starve to death, that determinism is fully in effect, because I want you to imagine that I am that donkey. On one side of me is this indie team-based online shooter called Primal Carnage, in which there are dinosaurs and people shooting the dinosaurs and pterodactyls flying away with victims. It sounds really cool. That's equidistant on my left. Equidistant on my right is Natural Selection 2, Uh, It's kind of an RTS meets a shooter hybrid. One team is Marines. The other team is aliens. They're asymmetrical. They have this commander role that dictates how the the map unfolds. They can upgrade. Both of these I'm dying to play. They both came out today. I haven't touched either one. I am paralyzed between the (laughs) two of them. So, therefore, I think that proves that the donkey would starve to death, and determinism is, in effect, uh, so that 's my news of the week. These two games came out i can 't i I am stranded between the two of them i haven 't touched either one of them uh, Nick, do you lean one way or the other towards dinosaurs versus men or aliens versus marines well uh
2: we 've had two games uh come out in a couple of years now that were by indie Studios with dinosaurs versus men
0: Wait a minute or
2: uh, what are the other ones
0: <laughs> now there was the World, World
2: War two yeah. yeah. Um. I and I cannot remember the name of it. Ah, uh, me either. <laughs> Sad. Thing, <huh? laughs> but it was World War II. Uh, Source Engine. Dino uh, D Day was that it? Yes,
0: that is it. Okay. That is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was awful. Wait a minute. Uh, I feel like you guys are pulling my leg. There's really a game. No. Dino D yes. Day.
1: Yes. I'm pretty sure I would have
2: mentioned that to you too. You're probably yes. just uh, blocking and it. Somehow. Here's the best part, Tom. The uh, best part about the game, uh, at least from a standpoint of how did they ever come up with this idea is the Allies, when it was released, had no dinosaurs. Yeah, and only Nazis. Nazi side was the only side that got dinosaurs. So whenever you went into a match, guess <laughs> which side had more You're people?
0: <laughs> wow. All right well that's that says yeah. a lot about the nature of good and evil that, that if yeah. they have dinosaurs, you're okay siding with the Nazis. it's
1: yeah, hey, that it's, is kind of weird, isn't it
0: it's yeah,
2: all right you you've got the, the Fuhrer, and you've got the Holocaust, but you, right, you know, I mean it's a stegosaurus with I mean, a tank on it, right,
0: so you know what, Nick, you've sold me
2: i mean that <laughs> right and that was like the
1: concept art I saw. I was like, okay, how can this game be bad? Well, they proved it they and it was bad. Well, now-
2: um, and then there was another dinosaur game that came out, at, I don't know if it was last year, but it was, uh, it looks very similar to Primal Carnage. It's uh, a co-op, like, horde mode type shooter otherwise, but it, it is dinosaurs and guns.
0: Dude, can you play a
2: dinosaur, though? I don't think so. In this uh-huh. one, it is, yeah, I think in this one the dinosaurs are just uh, AI controlled, or AI not controlled, as it turned out.
0: Uh, well, in Primal Carnage, uh, that could be subtitled, Who Wants to be a T-Rex? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, So you, Nick, would, uh, you sort of feel the dinosaurs' track record in shooters, not very good track record. You would lean towards natural, natural selection.
2: I no, choose. no, I'm a sucker for dinosaurs. I'd wind up with them
0: Oh,
2: okay. I'm just selection. saying, there have been dinosaur games, and I've played them, and I'm a
0: sucker. <laughs> All right, so uh, you know what? Maybe that'll nudge me towards primal carnage. Uh, All right. So, well, Nick, what is your news of the week then? If it's not that Disney bought LucasArts and it's not that uh, dinosaurs can now fight, you can fight as a dinosaur online, what do you have as your news of the week?
2: So my news of the week was a uh, quick little tidbit. Um, Ubisoft had uh their one of their conference calls for their investors uh mm-hmm. and they talked to uh, a couple of press people afterwards uh and basically they were just laying out their future strategy um mm-hmm. of course this being ubisoft everybody buckle up because obviously it was all about you know squeezing more money out of uh <laughs> consumers that's a
1: great franchise
2: Uh, Yeah, basically the Assassin's Creed franchise was going to get a lot more of these little micro-DLC packs where you could buy this money, this in-game currency uh, for the multiplayer. Uh, But what was interesting was uh, they also had advice for Bethesda um, where they... Basically, he was just musing, this uh, chief financial officer of Ubisoft was musing about how, you know... There was a good couple hundred hours of gameplay in Skyrim, and Bethesda probably could have made a lot more money if they had sold it for $60 and cut a bunch of content out of it and then doled it out in $10 pieces.
1: I saw that. That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah. Now, the, the thing is, Nick, uh, like I hear that, and that, that makes sense to me from a business pr- perspective. A CFO saying, hey, Bethesda <laughs> left money on the table, that is correct. What What surprises me, he said this to press? Yes, yeah.
2: that yep. is the surprising thing to me. It's a, Look, I am realistic and old enough that I understand that a business needs to make money. They're going to make money. Um, and this particular advice that he had for Bethesda, I – I don't know that he's wrong. Um, I I certainly think there have been enough games that, you know, sold, and they only had X amount of hours of content, and a ton of DLC came out, and the DLC got bought. So from that standpoint, he's not wrong. If I were a Ubisoft investor, I would certainly, you know, applaud his strategy. I I just found it interesting that he actually just laid it out. For well,
1: yeah. Effort. that And if Bethesda actually started doing that, they would burn through so much goodwill so well,
0: fast. Well, don't you think they are doing that with this idea of, a, of an online game? I mean, aren't they? They're working on an MMO. Oh,
1: well, sure. Okay. I mean, that's, that's kind like of El- a slightly different thing than cutting it's, it's, Skyrim down.
0: Correct, but it is acknowledging that Bethesda realizes that the stuff they're doing in Skyrim and Oblivion, that they can use it in a new type of game and a new type of business model, and I think that's what Elder Scrolls Online is, is Bethesda realizing, hey, we're leaving money on the table with the way we used to do things, let's try this. Right. So, All right, so uh, Ubisoft says something stupid. (laughs) Once once again, uh, very good. Now, you know, so Nick, I've heard about these micropayments in Assassin's Creed and and whatnot, and I have to say I'm probably like 20 or so hours into the game. I haven't run into a single thing where I feel like I'm getting hit for that. Do do you know more about specifically what's going on with this micropayment thing in Assassin's Creed 3?
2: I'm curious, too.
0: Well, as far as I know, it's... uh...
2: It, it, some kind of coin denomination right. used in the multiplayer side, ah. uh, and they're sold in it, it, tiny packs. Uh, there's like a one dollar pack, a two dollar pack, a five dollar pack, ten, and a twenty. Um, it, and I guess like the twenty dollar pack has nine hundred or something uraditos. What? Um, oh. Bless you. Mm. <laughs> I, I have no idea what that translates into or
0: what you can buy. So I bet they're
1: delicious, though.
0: <laughs> A Eurodito definitely sounds like uh, Doritos for people in Europe.
1: <laughs> right. That's exactly what I thought of. It
0: was like, mmm. sounds I, like I, something I, that uh, Jeff Kylie would try to sell to the French.
1: <laughs> it's something Jeff Kylie is eating right now.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned that it's multiplayer and that makes sense because uh, i i had heard something about this and was worried as i was playing through single player that i was going to start getting nickel and dimed for stuff or i was going to start finding quest givers with dollar signs over their heads like in uh in dragon age um but so far it looks like the single player is mercifully free of that kind of stuff and yeah. it sounds like you're mentioning this is just a a boondoggle for their multiplayer stuff
2: yeah, and I don't I don't have anything particularly against it. I I view it sort of like the Mass Effect three, their little uh their little gambling packs or whatever that they had on ah. the multiplayer side. Ah, that makes sense. Right,
0: right. I can see that. Uh, all right, so uh there we go. Um little option to spend more money on Assassin's Creed three if, if you're into that. <laughs> oh, you're a detour. <laughs> uh, so let's get on to some games of the week, McMaster. Why don't you start off by uh, telling us uh, that Dwarf Fortress is your game of the week?
1: Uh, Dwarf Fortress is my game of the. No, it's not. Uh, though I do have a sad update about the uh, last week. Uh, Tom asked me to create a character based on him in Dwarf Fortress, so I picked the, a girl uh, uh, that was good at. Uh, stone carving and talking to people, and uh, because that became Tom. And uh, I also named a few other people. I, I made a farmer into Bruce Garrick, and uh, I uh, I was a, an herbalist. And um, Troy Goodfellow and Bill
0: Abner were my. Master, hold on, hold on. Don't think that nobody knows what <laughs> you're saying when you point out that you were an herbalist. What? Then I have a green thumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and finally. Uh, I believe I had, uh, it doesn't, uh, yeah, oh yeah, Bill Dunsterman. But anyway, so, uh, we actually did pretty well, uh, for a while under Tom's, uh, leadership. I did have to make him stop drinking on occasion to go trade with, uh, the locals, uh, which actually was an issue for a while there. Every time I tell you to go trade, you would, like, go to sleep and then start drinking. But, um. Uh, Eventually, we got besieged, and uh, Bruce Garrick went insane and killed a few people, and then got put down. And, uh, and then I died of thirst, and uh, it, it just went downhill from there. Eventually, uh, the uh, the fortress was lost to the goblins. but there was uh, there were some good times
0: there. All right, I knew it. Your game of the week was Dwarf Fortress. I totally <laughs> called it. Well, okay, no, my game of the week actually. Wait, hold that thought, Uh, Nick. Have you ventured into Dwarf Fortress? Is that like something over? Are you like me, where you are like I can't, I can't spare those kind of brain cycles for a game that difficult?
2: (laughs) Uh, I have, uh, I have uh, tried Dwarf Fortress. I have played it for a few hours. Uh, It's just I can't, I can't deal with it. It's just too
0: much. That's kind of how I feel. It's a bit much. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because like at first, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. Like I. It took me a long time. Like, I, I probably played six or seven games before I even got past, like, the small settlement stage. Uh, just because you're like, okay, well, I made this fortress. Oh, God, I did something horribly wrong. And then, you know, there comes everybody getting murdered. So.
0: Well, then, McMaster, so, what is your game of the week if you've, if you've uh, let Dwarf Fortress down easy? If you're breaking up with Dwarf Fortress, uh, what, what's your new game of the week?
1: I've played the most, I think, this week of Assassin's Creed 3 which I am quite fond of so far. Um, I will say that it starts very slowly, which I believe we uh, discussed at one point. Uh, uh, But the game itself has a very strange slow beginning. Um, And if they are, uh, I've it's it just is kind of weird. It's all on rails. In fact, you don't even get like the Assassin's Creed Three pop up like titles. I think for like the first forty five minutes.
0: Yeah. So wait, real quick, uh, hold that thought, McMaster. Uh, Nick, have yeah. you played Assassin's Creed Three by any chance? Uh, I have not yet. Have you played I the haven't. other Assassin's Creeds? Like are you in ass- Okay, so you're an Assassin's Creeder, we might say. I, I okay. have I have killed the uh
2: what is it? 450 800 people, however many it takes to get up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so my master, go ahead. So you're saying it starts slowly. Uh, it's a while before you even get to the title cards. Yeah, you know I mean? which I, I now I don't want to
1: do spoilers.
0: Oh, curse you. Nick. Oh, I'm done uh, with it. Uh, well, you say that, Nick, but I, I do want to just to reinforce what Master's saying. It's a, it's a good spoiler. Well, it, it's there. It's there's basically about. It almost reminds me of a JRPG in that there's about yeah. six hours of playing where you're thinking, "Oh God, this is what they're doing. This is this is dull. This is just I've done this before. I'm not interested." let me boot something up but but if you get past those six hours and sort of see why they're doing that i think it's worthwhile and and ultimately even though i really thought those six hours were tedious i think it earns something for the game later on that it wouldn't have gotten otherwise so even though i feel it's a it's a really difficult slog to get to the good part it's worth it uh yeah well, so we, we can, won't.
1: We can talk spoilers after Nick goes if you want. All right,
0: well, we won't spoil anything, but just to say that you know things happen. And by the way, I will go on record. I'm only about I don't know halfway, two thirds through. I like I haven't finished it yet. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. But I will go on the record right now as saying stuff has happened in this game that is ten times more interesting than anything that has ever happened in any Assassin's Creed game I have played, and I've played all of them, and I am I've, I've hated. And, and yeah, and, and it's stuff later on. Like they, they actually do cool stuff with characters and they have neat story twists and, and I care enough about what's happening. Now some of it is still very, very clumsy, but already I just feel like I've gotten more than my money's worth and that it's doing things better than the other Assassin's Creed's together have done narratively. So it's
1: you know it's funny because like uh, yeah I don't really read reviews I I, I might look at like review taglines basically because that's really all that they're getting at in the first place and uh, the only things I've seen that I, I thought were weird that people dinged the game for was uh, the graphics engine which I think looks pretty cool actually I think it's a nice looking game uh, and uh, and for some like strange bugs which to be fair. The review copy they sent out, uh, I am to understand, they had a day one patch that fixed a ton of holes. Like there was patch notes for it uh, that you could read on the internet. Uh, but it's a uh, it's it's something else. Like uh, I will say, uh, I mean, I know Tom said that he was having problems in the beginning. Like he was saying it's just tedious. But I think the thing that kept me going was that I knew I know the name of the character. From all the press stuff and from seeing all the stuff, I know that it main, named the main character of the game, and that's not who you were playing at the beginning. Which I, I don't. Tom might not know that. So.
0: Oh, that they that they they tell everybody, hey, here's Connor, your new your new right, hero, right. Was, right?
1: And that's yeah. not who you play for the first forever in that game. So right. like, I was like, well, something's going on. And a few of the scenes I thought were actually really cool in the beginning yeah. of the game. Um, uh, no, sorry, good.
0: So, well, McMaster, then how is it on a, on a gameplay perspective? I, I presume you've gotten through those six hours of tedium and you're in what I might refer to as the game proper at this point. Uh, how, are, how are you liking that point and, and what at that point and what makes it good for you?
1: What I've seen of it is, uh, and uh, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it's very Red Dead redemption Yep. I mean, uh, that, I think that's really great. I'm a big fan of Red Dead Redemption and the way it works. And I know that some people this won't, you know, this won't do much for. I mean, if you are not a fan of wandering in the wilderness and hunting and doing all sorts of cool challenges and everything you know, like that, if you just wanted like a straight up, I'm going to be running through a city assassinating dudes, jumping in the water and escaping thing, then this is going to be a little bit more meandering. Uh, But uh, I'll tell you, when the game kind of opens up, there's a huge list of stuff that starts cycling in the top right corner of the screen. And it says, it starts taking off all the challenges that are available. And as it was going, I was just going like, no game. No, please stop. Because I knew, I knew I'm going to have to do them all. And it it really bothers me. So the game has me me hooked at this point. I've been murdered by some very serious wild animals. Um, which happens quite a bit for me, uh, like old oh, bears and stuff like that. But um, the, the, uh, the hunting is pretty awesome. Uh, I, I like the way the game moves and feels. It's actually been simplified quite a bit, the control scheme, which I think the game needed, though uh, I, was, I was used to it. Uh, I just think that you need to it needed to be sort of simplified instead of trying to um like kind of map a part of your body or an extension to one of a button or a trigger then you should be able to just kind of have attack and dodge and that kind of thing just simplify that and that works out really well um and uh yeah there there's a lot more to this game than you than than meets the eye initially i guess is what it really is and it's it's one hell of a Cool setup, if you ask me, though it does get a little tedious.
0: You get the sense, McMaster, that the the folks making this game, and this wasn't the case with... uh uh, Brotherhood, or certainly not with Revelation, that they have looked at other open-world games, things like like Just Cause 2, you mentioned Red yeah. Dead Redemption. Uh, they've looked at other games to see how they handle certain things, and they've learned from what other games have done. You, you get the sense that this is a game made by people who pay attention to the, the best way to do certain things. Uh, Which, and, and I didn't always yeah. get that sense with the Assassin's Creed games.
1: One thing too, I think, is they actually began work on this game immediately after Assassin's Creed 2. So there was a different team that made Brotherhood and Revelations, Revelations. than made three. Yeah. Uh, so this is it, the A team, it seems like. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like they, you know, I liked Brotherhood. It's not a great game, but uh, I I liked the uh, adding the Assassin's Guild stuff. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, I. I Could not get interested in Revelations for some reason. I just really, I I just couldn't even get into it. Uh, But this one is a, it's pretty exciting. Like, uh, I like the uh, the sailing stuff. is actually kind of neat too. Um, That reminds me how it gets, but.
0: Well, it reminds me of what some games have tried to do, uh, for instance, with with the Star Wars franchise, for instance. You get uh, Knights of the Old Republic, they give you the Ebon Hawk. You have this sense of, yeah, this is my ship, I'm going to do things with it. They tried to do that in Star Wars Old Republic, the MMO, here are your little ship scenes. You can upgrade your ship. Uh, This is that kind of thing, but I feel they do it very well. Uh, I really, I, I was real skeptical when I saw that goofy arcade ship battle stuff in, in some of the yeah. trailers and the press and at E3 they were showing. I was like, that looks silly. I want no part of that. But once they give you that to play with in the game, it, it works very, very well. I'm real happy with the I'm, goofy ship stuff. Yeah.
1: I'm curious to see how large a sailing area you get, if it's, like,
0: sizable and if there's stuff to do and find. Um, there are arcade sequences, basically. It's just a little... Uh, it's a little. I mean, it, it's, a, it's spectacular. It's just a combat mission, basically, and that's sort of why I compare it to the stuff in Old Republic. It's, hey, here's your sure. ship, uh, now just go out and blow stuff up with it. I mean, you're never, like... Which, yeah, I enjoyed I don't know that. Because, yeah.
1: I mean, I really did. I, I've enjoyed all the sailing I've done. Like, it, it actually feels pretty good. It, it controls well. Um, but, yeah, that and uh, just... I think uh, just the, the the actual animations, the characters seem to be uh, seem to be just really crisp and good in this game. Uh, I, I like all the characters I've met so far, and it's fun because the first few hours of the game endears you to a bunch of characters. And then Here, it kind of changes that, in my opinion, a little bit. I don't know. I don't really want to give too much away, but it's weird.
0: So in Red Dead Redemption, you are uh, hunting down the members of your yeah. your gang that you're with, and and what it does is it drops you. You know, uh, James Marston. Wait, is James the son or Miss John? John Marston. John. Uh, you just, you're playing John Marston and it sort of begins in in progress uh, where, hey, you have to hunt down the former members of the gang you were in and they don't really tell you who they were until you meet them and you just fight them and there's there's all this like backstory that went on between John and the gang members. Uh, wait, right. John is the son or James is the son? John is the dad. James okay. is the, yeah. Okay. Uh, so what this does is it, it earns that, it doesn't, you know, it, it sets up this longer sweep of relationships and I really like right. that. You know, that 's the point of that prologue is it would be like in Red Dead Redemption, letting you play that stuff with your gang members, so that there 's more meaning with who they are as you 're hunting them down uh, and I really like that bit, so I want to speak yeah. briefly to uh, uh, the the storylines in the Assassin 's Creed games have always been a little silly, you know, and everybody hates that Desmond stuff, and Good Lord. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I I hate the Desmond <laughs> stuff here. Every time there's like a break between sequences, and I have to play as Desmond, I'm like, oh, shoot me now. This it does tough. kind of bug me. Yeah. Oh, it, it's that stuff is horrible, and and I just hate that it's messing up an otherwise good game here. But uh, I also, in, in the past, they've they've set the games in these really cool historical periods and done almost nothing to take advantage of that. And in a way, there's some of that same bit here with the American Revolution. You know, oh, it turns out that Connor was at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Who knew? You know, oh, he rode with Paul Revere. And by the way, that Paul Revere sequence, imagine if Paul Revere was a GPS system. Like, that's how they do that sequence. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, and they, they all of this contrived, hey, we're going to put Connor in the American Revolution, all of that is goofy and ridiculous, and I kind of get the sense that they don't realize it's ridiculous. However, one of the things that I love about Assassin's Creed III is how they inadvertently honor the American heritage and tell a story about what America means. And I'm even, I think they might have actually done this on accident by not doing this American Revolution stuff and, and stuff about assassins and Templars. All of that is silly. Instead, in one of the earlier Assassin's Creeds, you would uh, develop a villa, And, uh, you know, you would open shops, and you would improve your weapons, and your blacksmith could make better stuff for you, and you would improve the little houses and thatch the roofs or whatever. And you created this villa. It started out run down. By the time the game was over, it was great. So they give you something like that, similar in Assassin's Creed 3, but they call it the homestead. And the homestead isn't a villa. It's not a building. It's a swath of territory, and it's just wilderness you know, there's animals running around. You can hunt in it. And you've got a, a, a house, you know, where you end up starting. as your base of operations. And as you're playing the game, this homestead is kind of like a microcosm of America in that as you're playing the game, you recruit people to bring to the homestead and you do these little missions for these people. And the missions are, are this kind of personal stuff like you would do like party missions in Mass Effect 3 where you help somebody find a girlfriend or you, you help some dude's wife or, or it's all these little personal storylines kind of for these people that live on your homestead. And there's a, there's a variety of people. You know, you, All the people on the homestead, there's no such thing as an American at this point, except Connor. Uh, and even Connor, by the way, he's half American, half Native American, half white. Um, mm-hmm. So all the people on the homestead are, of course, immigrants. You have these two Scottish lumberers with their wives. You have a, a, a Haitian couple uh, who may uh, become the farmers. Uh, you have an English drunkard doctor. Uh, you, you have uh, a Scottish hunter chick. Um, you're recruiting all these people, and they come to your homestead, and they build buildings, and they develop this swath of wilderness into a town. And it reminds me a lot of uh, a game called Dark Cloud, or uh, there's, a, there's a game called Xenoblade Chronicles where you develop Colony 6. Uh, oh, yeah. But it's the American version of that. You know, those are yeah. JPGs, Dark Cloud and Xenoblade Chronicles. This is creating that kind of gameplay as a, a reflection of how America started, and I love that bit of the game. I can't get enough of these homestead missions. Uh, they're gated to the game progress, your, your progress in the campaign, pretty much. But as soon as I see those icons, I care about the people in my homestead. You know, I care about this farmer chick named Prudence. I think she's from Haiti, and what's going on with her and her husband way more than I care about Connor trying to prevent the assassination of George Washington. Uh, and that kind of personal investment in personal stories is something that Assassin's Creed never did very well, and that they do just wonderfully in Assassin's Creed Three. So
1: I also, but you know, I mean, yeah, of course, like story-wise, but man, the gameplay is fun during the assassinating people and stopping people from getting assassinated.
0: But, yep, and that's something they, they do well, and they continue to do yeah. well here.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, their uh, their combat has been even more streamlined, a little bit more uh, interesting this time around. Uh, I like it quite a bit. I mean, and you add to the, to that, like, all the achievements, uh, hunting is a lot more in-depth than you would probably think. Uh, you can use snares and baits, et cetera, um, all sorts of different ways. You know, if you kill an animal with your melee weapon, its pelt's going to be worth more, et cetera, um, it does a uh, does a lot of interesting things like that. Oh, and the caravans like sending stuff off for uh, to town to trade. That's pretty interesting too.
0: The, the whole, uh, that's all the homestead stuff there's this crazy crafting sub game in there which is just yeah. again and that's very american you know anybody like i love strategy games set in the colonial era and the you know the age of discovery i love all that kind of stuff and that's that's all here like you know i'm i'm right now trying to get a certain kind of ore to make buttons so i can sew dresses you know and that's that's like crazy crafting yeah
1: yeah yeah so like you what you choose like what you want you send out a caravan it gives you how long it'll take and a percentage chance of danger mm, is that,
0: that how Oh, not, not quite no, you, you make stuff at your homestead and then you sell okay. it to different outlets and different outlets pay more money, they have different taxes there 's a greater oh. risk that something can happen, so you get a mission that you know your caravan 's under attack, and you can either go do that yourself, you can send one of your assassin buddies to, to do it uh, so it 's basically just a way to earn money as far as I can tell, they never make it mandatory. Um, but if you want to grind money for your, your weapons, and there's also unique weapons you can make with the crafting. Uh, I think you have to do this if you want to upgrade your ship very much. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just one of the ways you make money. Yeah. Uh, McMaster, can you help me? A lot of times I will climb up in a really tall tree to get one of those little viewpoint things, and, oh, yeah. uh, and I can't get down. Oh, well, I mean, you just have to point at the giant haystack and hit A. Yeah, sometimes I try to do that, and I just smack into the oh. forest floor and die. Well, then, you have it coming. Can I call the fire department to come get me out of the tree?
1: You can just, yeah, you give me a call, I'll get the fire department out there will uh we'll get somebody with a blanket uh you know good yes i
0: like that yeah. does either of you guys know of a game i found myself doing this it's one of the there's a lot of cool mini games in here by the way and they're all apparently historical things except for checkers checkers is the only one that i recognized uh but there's a game does either of you guys heard of a game where you stand in front of a little muddy patch of ground and you just chuck little balls out into the mud no 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 <laughs> I think it's even called bowling like it or bowls or something like that uh all right so I need help with that I don't know how to win but you just I just found myself in a mission where I've got to throw little balls into the mud and every now and then I would get points and every now and then the other guy would get points and oh I lost uh,
1: it's so like weird that one that where you have to Put pieces down like six man or something like that. Well, those that. they
0: give you rules. You can like look at a little rules screen. Like yeah, they, they tell you how to play those. I don't know how to play this game where you throw balls in the mud.
1: I mean, six man's so pointless. It's like playing tic tac toe, yeah. basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I played the computer to a standstill. It offered me a truce after a while.
0: I uh, mean, master let's You and I play six man and see who wins. Okay, ready? Yes. All right. Uh, that might be our game of the week next week. Oh. Uh. Yeah, Six Man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a. I really want to try the co op. Like, uh, I wonder if that's any good. My the co op. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's Assassin's Creed Three.
0: Yeah. What? That's why wait, I keep trying to get huh? you to
1: play the multiplayer, but no, no, no. Wait, wait
0: uh, like co-op in the sense that you and me are on one team and all the other yahoos on the internet are on the other team and we lose? That kind of co-op? No, no,
1: no. You have, like, it's called, like, Wolfpack mode. You you get several people together and you, you're you given a ton of targets and you have to kill them all in a certain time or you die.
2: Nick, did you know about this? I did not know about this. I only <laughs> knew about the regular uh, Assassin's Creed multiplayer. Uh, there's actually another one, too. Uh, it's
1: like a King of the Hill kind of thing where you have to capture uh, different areas and defend them. It's not like the old standard, so there's two new that I know about for sure, that Wolfpack
0: thing and then the like King of the Hill. Defend yeah. them against the other yahoos from the Internet or against the AI?
1: Yes. Yeah, against the other. No, well, it's I do know. There might be AI, but I know the one is against AI, that wolf pack thing. So that's what I've been trying to get you to play them. Well,
0: I'm busy trying to sew dresses, McMaster. I know
1: you are. <laughs> <laughs> the sad truths.
0: <laughs> All right, so Nick, uh let's see. What would then would be your game of the week for uh, you know what? Let me go first cuz this is going to be brief. Uh my game of the week now, uh games of the week are not necessarily our favorite games, not necessarily what we're playing the most, just something that's notable that we want to bring up. My game of the week, I'm not supposed to talk about, so don't listen to this until midnight on October 31st. Basically the embargo lifts it, uh, uh, November 1st. So pretend everything I'm saying, actually whatever, just don't listen to this until it's after midnight, November 1st. My game of the week, I think, I think I really, really hate Halo 4. Oh, my <laughs> God. I don't That's know, what I was afraid of. I don't know what those guys were thinking. And let me just mention a couple of things. So I haven't finished the single-player yet. Maybe that'll get better. I think I'm halfway through it. I've got what, four more missions to do, the long Chapters, whatever they call them. But so far in the single player, I haven't seen anything that I wasn't already doing in the other Halo games. The new weapons are just ridiculous. The new enemies, I I don't know what they were thinking. You know, I don't need to play a Tron game in my Halo, thank you very much. Uh, But the two things that really bug me the most about Halo 4 and that make me think, you know, 343 Studios does not understand Halo. What happened to my firefight mode? You know, McMaster, you just got yeah. me all, all crazy to play multiplayer Assassin's Creed three by mentioning the co op. You know, I loved that in Halo, uh, ODST and Reach. Firefight mode was a was a great thing to play with, and you could configure it how you wanted, you could, you know, play it as a long grind, you could just give everybody rocket launchers and blow up easy monsters. Firefight mode was a great horde mode and it really let you flex what's cool about yeah. Halo. There is no firefight mode here. I could not believe that. I was going through the menus, thinking, "Well, is it hidden under this? Is it this feature?" No. There's simply no firefight mode in that's Halo insane. Four. It's gone. What they have instead are these things. I think they're called Spec Ops missions, or no, that's that's Modern Warfare. They're called something like that. Special Operation, whatever. There are these Spartan I, Ops. What Spartan Ops? Thank you, Nick. Yes, because you're Spartan, of course, right? Smooth operators. No, 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 Spartan Ops is – there are five Spartan Ops missions with the release game, and the idea is – with the release version, and the idea is that over time they'll release new episodes. But so far, these Spartan Ops things, they're just little brief, basically, as far as I can tell, bits from the campaign – And I don't know why you would play them. Uh, I guess you uh, are earning XP for your character. um, Because this is one of the new things they do, is they have a system where you level up your character in multiplayer. And Spartan Ops contributes to this. The single-player campaign does not. But you level up your character, and when you go up levels, you earn Spartan points. And you use those Spartan points to unlock weapons and the special abilities for your multiplayer loadout. So very Call of Duty. Uh, And I guess maybe that's why you're supposed to play Spartan Ops. But the Spartan Ops things are short, and there's just nothing to them, and they were simple, and I didn't understand why that was in there. Um, So that's one thing I really hate about Halo 4, no firefight. The other thing I really hate, so you play the campaign in Halo. That's cool. You then can go back and play at harder difficulty levels with these things called skulls. And skulls are just modifiers to things like enemy hit points or how well they dodge grenades or how much damage you do, things like that. It was a way to make the game harder uh, and therefore increase your score because you had a score based on the difficulty level and the skulls and how well you did things. You know, you would get little medals that would give you points. There is no scoring in Halo 4. If you go back and you replay a mission, hmm. it doesn't matter what difficulty level you're on. It doesn't matter what skulls you've got enabled because those are there. You're not going to get a score. There's going to be no record of how well you did and, therefore, no incentive to go back and play and try to do better, yeah, which for I mean, me
1: was – This is a big deal in the originals. Like you could turn on the multiplayer scoring. Yeah, that was awesome.
0: Or even just do it single player and just try to, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: right, yeah, but like, you know, it it was like kind of a standard co-op thing to have the scoring turned on just to see who's doing what.
0: Yeah, and that's that's all gone. So I don't know why skulls are in there. I just, I it just is is baffling to me that firefight and scoring are missing. Uh, So I, I don't know. You know what? We'll see. I need to finish the campaign. I'll, of course, jump into some of the, the multiplayer stuff when it goes live, I guess. But uh, at this point, I, uh, I'm all, you know, my whole take is, what were they thinking? So, mm-hmm. there we go. Halo 4, all right. So, Nick, what then would be your game of the week for this Halloween 2012? Okay, so uh, for me, uh,
2: in the uh, forum area, Flinch put up a thread for what at first I took to be a joke thread. Uh, you know, every now and then we'll get those threads where someone will pop in there and, you know, hey, check out this crazy iOS game, and, you know, you look at it, and it's this horrible, <clears throat> you know, Eastern European scam game or some, you know, crazy freemium model thing that that just, you know, blows from start to finish.
0: I, I, uh, can, I, can I give an example of one such thread? Yeah. Someone made a thread about a Euro truck driving simulator. Obviously not a real game. It can't be a real thing. But it's that kind of thing you're talking about, right? Like, hey, let's make a thread about a joke game, right? Uh, yeah, that, that would be
2: it. <laughs> see, see what I just did to you,
0: Nick? Was that mean? Was that too mean of me? <laughs> no,
2: no. You know what? I, uh, I This took me completely by surprise. Um, morbidly curious. Went ahead and downloaded the demo. Uh, first of all, uh, the demo is... Hours of content. I I, I I almost feel like these guys, uh, this little group out of Czechoslovakia, are doing themselves uh, a real dishonor here. Because the demo you could literally play uh, for a good hundred hours and never get to the end of it.
0: Now, now real um, quick, so is it actually called Euro Truck Simulator 2013, or is that the name? No, it is Euro Truck Simulator 2. Um, 2 okay. It is...
2: It is a I mean. car PG, mm-hmm. oh. very much in the vein of Forza, except you're not going fast. Now you want to go slow and careful. Oh. I, I mean, you level up. You Wait, improve what? things. Yes, you level up. You allocate skill points when you level up for certain skills. <laughs> you buy trucks. Uh, as you get going, you get hot, you can take on better jobs to go farther or take more dangerous routes or you know, harder weather patterns to drive through. Um, as you'll continue with the game, uh, you will buy more trucks, you will hire other drivers, you will schedule them for their own routes and make money. And then you will expand your base of operations and uh, eventually buy more branches. Of your trucking company uh, to place all over Europe.
0: Wait a minute! I don't believe a word of this. This This
2: thing is is crazy.
0: (laughs) Well, wait. So uh,
1: whenever I see something that says Euro Truck Simulator, I just go, "I'm not going to click on it."
0: (laughs) Well, you would think they could have given it a sexier name. I I don't know what, but uh, (laughs) like, like like, uh, this. This sounds when you describe that, Nick. I think of really cool, uh, like space trading games, Uh, like. Uh, and, and then those have sexy names, though. I guess if you're going to use trucks in Europe, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they could have come well, up I with. I mean, well, Bad Mother Trucker was taken.
1: I mean, so <laughs> but I don't the, know what else to go with.
2: So these guys also make, at, at, you know, I was interested, so I had to look them up. So here in America, they make a series uh, sold through, I guess, Value Soft and various, like, jewel case type game uh, companies. It's called 18 Wheels of Steel and it's, oh. it's completely as redneck as you would think it would be in that there's no RPG part, it's just separate missions, and you're basically just long-haul trucking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's marketed, you know, very much at that kind of Walmart jewel case sort of, you know, deer hunter crowd. Whereas the Euro Truck Simulator, made by the same people... Uh, a very broad, in-depth um, RPG with a, name- a trading sim in it.
0: What is the name of the developer? Do you know offhand?
2: SCS Software. So their name oh. is just as interesting.
0: No kidding. <laughs> oh, guys, get a better name. <laughs> uh, so what what's in the demo then? Like you mentioned, the demo is ridiculously generous. What things can you not do in the, the demo and what things can you do? Like how much do you get? How much miles <laughs> can you get out of just playing the demo?
2: Well, uh, I've played the demo for quite a while now, about mm, 30 hours. It is it, it gives you pretty much uh, all of Germany, Belgium, uh, a few other areas in Europe. Uh, there's over a hundred cities to drive to. Um, I, I have not hit an end of the demo yet except for the physical geographical confinement. So, then where, can
0: you, you, you're, you can in the demo, like, do the, all that strategy level stuff you mentioned about founding a company and whatnot? Yes. Yes. You found a company, you hire drivers.
2: I've, I've bought multiple trucks now. It's, it, it's, it's really actually crazy. And the reason why, you know, at the very beginning of the show, I was talking about, or I'd mentioned Frontier Elite. That is exactly what I thought of. It ah. Is elite,
0: but with no combat. <laughs> Wow, that sounds awesome, Nick. Now, wait. So, what then is the moment-to-moment gameplay then? Because uh, that—that's where you know the theory sounds awesome. But are you just like sitting and and drive pushing an accelerator and driving a truck slowly? What, what, what's that like? Uh, it is.
2: <laughs> it is uh, completely as boring as <laughs> you would think. <laughs> driving a truck slowly on european roads and trying to do it legally would be so you you can't speed if a if a cop uh or if if one of the police happens to be nearby and you blaze through a red light uh you will get a ticket <laughs> um if you if you wreck which it's pretty easy to wreck obviously you can you know turn too hard or too slowly uh if you wreck yeah you will you will be paying repair costs you may lose your cargo you may lose the contract etc it is yeah the moment to moment gameplay is exactly as tedious as you would think
0: well, now surely they don't like. I guess it must be a compressed terrain where, like, a, an hour of like, how long does it take you to drive from whatever Stuttgart to uh, Munich to bring a, a a load of pickled pigs' feet or whatever? Like, what, what's what's it like to sit down and drive a a, a, a route? It,
2: when you start out um, at level zero, level one, uh, it is about 10 minutes to go from any one route to another any one destination to another okay. um, so it's it's very compressed uh, for example going from Berlin to Frankfurt is about a 15 20 minute you know jaunt in the okay. game um, but later on in the game you can unlock longer and longer routes and you can wind up with missions or you know routes that are two and a half to three hours of real-time gameplay long i don't know what to think about that Nick. I, I can't <laughs> even imagine i it, it, that to me sounds like you know playing those elite or privateer type games and never hitting the accelerate time button because
0: <laughs> if the whole point is you have to drive carefully you couldn't very well just put it on autopilot and accelerate time right like it, yeah. it, it requires your input yeah yes oh yeah uh, all right. So, what kind of things are you deciding? Things like what cargo to carry, or is that all abstracted? Uh, it's abstracted. It's okay. abstracted.
2: So, it's it's with the missions that you accept or the the contracts you accept from other companies to haul whatever.
0: Uh, and do you go through urban areas, like when uh, is it, or is it all just countryside that you're driving through? Uh,
2: it's a lot of countryside, a lot of highways. There are urban areas, but they are. Uh, by nature compressed, just mm-hmm. like the rest of the route.
0: And how does uh, this, because this is one thing that's very difficult to do in a video game, but but how does the traffic feel? Uh... It feels
2: realistic in that it is filled with a lot of slower-moving vehicles that just get in your way a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, you know, I imagine if you are a big rig trucker, that's probably a daily frustration for you. <laughs>
0: right. uh, and we, is this something where you, you mentioned you've put uh, a bunch of hours into the demo. Uh, are, do you plan on getting the full version, or do you really feel like, you know, I'm fine with just this?
2: Uh, oddly enough, I, I think I'm going to wind up uh, ponying up for this. These guys are uh, – they just sell through their website as far as I can tell right now. They're, I guess, trying to get on Steam, but – yeah. Oh yeah, wait a minute! I mean,
1: this isn't even on Steam. Money project, yeah.
0: No, yeah. Ah, okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, are they selling it at a budget price? Do you know offhand, Nick, what it costs? It is forty dollars. Okay, so a full price PC game. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, and what uh, do you? I guess you don't name your trucks. <laughs> what? To, uh, <laughs> I guess you could yourself, but uh, there's no uh, – so what what are you currently driving and where are you driving around, Nick? Like, what was your last mission? Describe for me what you last did in Euro truck or 2.
2: Uh, so my last mission was driving from Berlin to Frankfurt mm-hmm. uh, in – and I, I can't even recall the manufacturer name of the truck. Um, but it was a slow, lengthy drive. Mm-hmm.
0: Any snags on the way and was there any speeding or any any tussles with the law
2: no nope. there was uh, there was no tussles with the law. There was a couple tense moments with some uh, slow, compact cars in front of me, <laughs> and uh, there was a milk truck, I believe at one point that sort of cut me off on the audubon but other than that, uh, pretty uneventful. <laughs>
0: Uh, I love how you sell it, though. It's like a space trading game because that's the angle. I, I see the name of that, and I'm like, ah, there's no way. But when I hear that angle, and I'm like, that I could I could see someone getting into that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it sounds, though, like um, certain games are perfect for, like, listening to a podcast or just listening to music or talk radio or whatever. It sounds like this is one of those games that doesn't take up too much brain space. Like you can be doing it and have something else going on at the same time.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, in fact, it's it's funny you mentioned that they they actually have a feature in the game. You can add all your own music tracks to the radio stations.
0: Oh, why don't more games do that? Why isn't that you in know. Forza, for instance? Ah.
1: Uh I got a feature for you. Uh, I you can subscribe to Sirius online. You could totally just subscribe to Sirius and play it in the background. And then when you want to change channels, you just alt tab and change your channels to Easy Listening or something.
0: Uh, McMaster, when I play Euro Truck Simulator 2, I need you to come along, and I just need you to sit next to me and keep me awake and just, just talk to me while, while no, I'm i No,
1: I know what we'll do. This is what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I both will get CBs, and <laughs> <would> you... <laughs> we'll both we'll both get a copy, and, uh, yeah, we'll be driving around, we'll, we'll get each other, figure out, uh, you know, where our locations are and see what you're hauling, and good buddy,
0: you know. McMaster, what will your handle be on the CB? How will I find you? Oh man, what was Jerry uh, uh, Truck and convoy guy? What was his
1: handle? Oh, well, just the Rearmaster's fine.
0: Okay, Rearmaster, and and McMaster, I want you to call me. Uh, you know what? Uh, the Bandit. Rearmaster and the Bandit. Yeah, the Bandit. <laughs> the Bandit. Yes. Uh, and Nick, you will be Mister Diamond. Oh, that's so. great! <laughs> All right, Euro Truck Simulator Two. Uh, <laughs> I, I might be sold, but you know, for with a demo like that, uh, you know, if there's that much in the demo, what can it hurt to download it? Although, you know what? I'm not going to download that. I've got, I've got that uh, dinosaur thing to play, and Wolf Pack. Let's not forget the Wolf Pack. The
2: Wolf. If uh, only they had dinosaurs with trucks.
0: Dinosaurs with trucks in Revolutionary Era America with stealth. Yeah, just barreling through towns. That's what I want.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, just tell me Wolfpack doesn't sound awesome. Like, listen to this description. It's it just drips off the tongue. Okay. Wolfpack is a non-adversarial mode where one to four players coordinate their actions to maximize their score by eliminating waves of enemies in order to reach the next score threshold before the end of the
0: sequence countdown. Yeah, that's called Horde mode.
1: Right, except we're running around the city and stabbing dudes. Uh,
0: So, two questions about Wolfpack, and for Nick about, uh, or one question about uh, Euro Truck Simulator Two. Which one has more zombies? Oh, I don't. Well, I have
2: not encountered any zombies, unless you count, uh, you know, myself dozing off while (laughs) playing the (laughs) game.
0: That can be zombie-like. Yes. Okay, I, I like that. Good. Uh, All right. So there we go. Uh, Three games of the week. Three bits of news for the week. Our scariest games ever. Nick, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today. Uh, Thank you. What are you doing, by the way, next Tuesday? Uh, Next Tuesday?
2: i probably behind my big rig driving from one European country to another.
0: And what else are you doing? what I'm doing.
1: Oh, Nick, come on. I'm being an important person in America is what I'm doing next <laughs> Tuesday.
2: I guess Nick... Oh, well, we already voted! Oh, very oh, good! Oh, you
1: did a... Yeah,
2: I might
0: do the that this week, vote too. here. So, sorry, nice. man. Very good. No, okay, I well, was- I'll... For me, it does. I live in California, so it doesn't matter what I'm doing. But I like to do it on the day of, just to get the sticker and just to drive, you know, to go to my little polling place and uh, just the vibe of it. So, but it's it feels so futile here in California. It's like oh, whatever.
1: Uh, Just vote for Nader. Why not?
0: McMaster, can you vote twice for me? Can you like uh, uh, do that? So put in a vote. I don't want to say who I'm voting for because you know that would be gauche. But uh, I think you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're a Romney
1: man. We don't know. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Tom loves Mormons. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. So uh, by the by the way, this is the last podcast we will be recording during uh, Barack Obama's first term of office. Yep. Oh wait, wait. That's not true. That's not true at all. Because the the January twenty seventh. Oh, well, yeah.
1: How about this? This will be the last podcast we're recording before we know if this is Barack Obama's final term or if it's extended.
0: I think we already know that, McMaster. I'm pretty sure I do. I feel pretty confident. Yeah, I I do, too, actually. So I I think I know who's got this one. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I said said that wrong. What I meant to say is it's a close race. That's what I meant to say, right, Nick? Did I say that right?
2: It's it's very close. It's too close to call.
1: Right. All I'm going to say is if Romney wins, everybody needs to play Bioshock and just get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Very good.
0: All right, so uh, there's that. Join us next week. We will have a return guest who, uh, I'll give you a little hint, uh, one word, volcanoes. This is my, uh, by the way, my my slutty reviewer costume. I played this song. It's not just good, it's fucking delicious. Yes.
1: What a great name. Critic said, it's fucking good.
0: <laughs> How's that over? Dead Critic said, it's motherfucking good. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to apologize. I should apologize <laughs> for the language, by the way. <laughs> said, I would suck that guy's dick. I oh, like yeah. that. was fun. I wish that was fun.
2: Yeah. <laughs>